This is the Employment Law Show. Hello, hello. It's 632. It is Thursday evening, right? Yep, Thursday. There we go. Week's almost over, but not yet. No, no, no. you got to stick around for another half hour and learn something. Employment law is what we cover Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday here on this very radio station. You will get educated about your rights, which you have aplenty, unless you choose to give them away or ignore them or not reach out to an employment lawyer to solidify what you already know, and that is you're being ripped off when it comes to severance and all other things under that umbrella. So we're going to clear some things up tonight, and uh, if you want to call in, you've got some time starting now, 416-870-6400, 416-870-6400. It is how you call in, get on the air, talk to us. John Pinkett's partner, Sam Firu Tamarkin, LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, is handling all the heavy lifting tonight. And he will uh, he will guide you through this 30 minutes and uh, tell you a bunch of stuff you may or may not know. But uh, spread the wealth, spread the knowledge, and tune in for the next half hour and guarantee you'll walk away the better, smarter person for sure. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. You'll want to call in after and reach John, a member of his crew. That's one 855 821 5,900, but as mentioned here and now, 416-870-6400. What you need to know about termination for cause, that is coming up. But first, John, we always get to the case of the day. Brother, what do you got going on? Well, you know what? Before we get to the case of the day, I want to talk very quickly about something that we've uh, posted a blog post uh, about recently, which is this RBC pay hike. Ah. Uh, Very interesting that uh, our listeners may have heard that uh, 3% pay hike for all lower paid employees, uh, which they've done uh, for for talent retention. Uh, And this is just a worthwhile reminder that uh, employers do have the ability and, you know, for anyone who's an employer listening, um, hopefully some are because our, you know, what we talk about is not just for employees, it's for employers too. Uh, but uh, this is something that you can do as long as it's not uh, discriminatory. But of course, there's also a common reminder that you can't do uh, the opposite. If you cut an mm. employee's pay and it reaches a certain threshold, that could get to the point of a constructive dismissal. So I just thought I'd make a quick note about that because it was in the news. Some people probably thinking about it and that might uh, answer some lingering questions in people's mind. But like you said, we always start with the case of the day, John. So I'll talk about this situation uh, that was pretty interesting. As someone who was, came to me after having lost his job at a company he was working for for 25 years. Yes. Uh, this person was working as a general manager of a processing facility, and he earned a salary of 125000 plus a sizable bonus, about 50000 a year on top. So about one seventy-five dollars uh, all, all told. He had uh, three supervisors reporting to him in that role and about 45 frontline staff who reported to those supervisors. Recently, the company decided they were going to merge the management of his processing plant with another processing facility and make the other general manager responsible for both. Now, the other general manager got a pay raise. My client was told that his position didn't exist anymore. So he kind of got the short end of the stick there. Uh, But rather than firing him outright, they said, well, now look, we have one less general manager. We're going to need some more supervisory support in the facility. So we're going to let you keep your salary. We're going to let you uh, have a job, but you're going to have the job of a supervisor. And you and the other three supervisors who used to report to you are now going to report to the other manager. Oh, and by the way, of course, now you're a supervisor, you're going to be eligible for the supervisor's bonus, which is a maximum of only $15,000 a year. Now, naturally, this is something that this person had to think about carefully, and ultimately he wasn't interested in it. So he said, well, thank you very much, but no thanks. I'm not interested in this role. And expecting the company was going to say, okay, well, here's your severance. No, instead mm-hmm. they say, oh, you don't want the job. Well, then you're resigning from your employment. No right. termination, pay no severance. See you later. 
And that's the point that he comes to me just completely stunned. Now, of course, it should come as no surprise that I advised him it's not a resignation. It shouldn't have to be said, although it often does, that for a resignation to be a resignation, one actually has to say to their employer that they're going to resign, that they want to resign. And in fact, if the company had simply imposed this change on him, it would have certainly been a constructive, or almost certainly been a constructive dismissal. So we're going to be negotiating a severance package for him. And without a doubt, this is someone who could be entitled to up to 24 months pay. And, the, and in light of this employer's conduct, um, they're really going to be uh, caught flat-footed on this one. And, and fortunately, this person is someone who said all the right things. Uh, but if you find yourself in this situation, please don't try to do this on your own. The time to speak to us is as soon as a demoted position is being offered to you. Uh, that's when you want to speak to an employment lawyer so we can help you navigate the situation and help you prevent something from happening that we can't fix later. Interesting case, too, because a lot of people that uh, you know wouldn't take a step back, they'd say, oh, well, that's okay. Okay, I'm just a supervisor now, but hey, I still get a bonus, and, and they're keeping my salary, which is probably more than the other supervisors. So that's a good thing, not realizing that this one change could happen again since you've allowed the employer to do it once, right? They could, they could be brought down another rung. It's certain. Well, there's certainly an argument that the employer could do that. It'll be easier for the employer to do that. And the other thing is, if that person loses their job later, their ah. severance entitlements are going to be based mm -hmm. on the new position, the new pay, the new bonus structure, et cetera, et cetera. So that's another thing you have to keep in mind. It is a big bull of wrong, like we say in this show. But uh, moving on here, you're going mm -hmm. to call in any time. you still got lots. We're just getting rolling. 416-870-6400 to talk to John here tonight. We'd love to talk to you and have you on the air. What you need to know about termination for cause, the first question is the most obvious. What is it, and how difficult is it actually to establish for an employer? Well, it really is the exception, uh, not the rule. And I would say probably about 99% of terminations for cause that I see are, in fact, illegal. So that's not to say I never see proper terminations for cause. I do see one every so often, but it really uh, takes those extreme situations. And, and the law recognizes that, you know, it's what we call the capital punishment. Mm -hmm. So if you've done something like you've made a mistake, uh, your performance is maybe not up to snub, um, you're, uh, uh, you're having a disagreement with your coworkers or, you know, maybe there are some isolated minor incidents, arguments, those are almost never cause for dismissal. Um, there in fact are two, and I always say this, there are two cases where an employee was guilty of a physical assault in the workplace. That was still not uh, a termination for cause, although in some circumstances it can be, uh, that often isn't enough. So the, the, the law really looks at a, a bunch of different things. We look at, uh, was there a new procedure introduced? Were you suffering from a disability? Uh, and here's a huge one that I, I cannot emphasize, emphasize this enough, and this is really important for anyone who's listening. Did you show remorse? Mm. Did, you, did, you, did you prove that you were not incorrigible, that if they had given you a chance, you were prepared to, uh, you know, as they say, straighten up and fly right, right? Like that, that you were, that you were prepared to actually consider the consequences of your actions and be more responsible. And if you show that at the time that they're disciplining you, assuming that it's something you did, of course, if it's something that you didn't do, that's a different yeah. story. But if it's right. something that you did, you really do want to um, show remorse. And that's going to, again, just make it harder and harder and harder for an employer um, to terminate your employment for cause. So if you think an, uh, an, a termination for cause is uh, potentially coming, you may actually want to speak to an employment lawyer before it happens so that you can make sure that you don't do the wrong thing and you don't compromise your rights. 
If I am an employer and I've got an employee who's you know doing things wrong and I want to terminate them for cause, how many how many chances, quote unquote, chances should I be giving that employee before they can be dismissed? Well, there is always this temptation to think of it as a three strikes you're out yeah. uh, situation, uh, which is which is what a lot of employers do. But of course, that, that there is no uh, uh, three strikes you're out law, uh, so to speak. Um, there is um, uh, guidelines, you know, the court will say what, what was in, within reason. But actually, the best practice is to be proactive as an employer. And the way that you be proactive is you put together a policy and you say, if you're guilty of these things, um, we will give you um, a, uh, a verbal warning, a written warning, a suspension, and then we'll terminate you for cause. And you also want to say that there are some offenses, um, including but not limited to you know, certain things, where we may not go through this process, where they're so serious, we don't give you any warnings. Um, and most of all, you should not be doing this on your own as an employer. You should be having some assistance uh, from an employment lawyer, right? It's not it's not always a, a terribly expensive thing to do, uh, and it's worth it, not only because it can prevent you from having liability in the future, but because it sets expectations. And hopefully, it's a tool you never have to use because everybody knows about it. Is that something that's crafted by the employer just for new hires, or can this be something that's presented to current employees as well? Oh, it's certainly something that you can um, uh, implement across the board. Uh, okay. When it comes to basic rules in the workplace, you know, decorum, um, uh, rules against harassment, discrimination, it's expected that it's going to apply. You don't, you don't get legacy rights to harass others, for example, uh, if, you're a, <laughs> if you're an existing employee. Uh, so although, uh, although I think that's a fair question, John, because often you cannot treat uh, existing employees the same way you treat new right. employees, for example, if it's a termination clause or a non-compete clause or something like that. But this is different. This is something that you can apply across the board. It's interesting, too, because generally when we're talking about termination for a cause, it is the reason why an employer is doing that or putting that together is to get rid of somebody or, or persons with no severance. Is there ever a case where you can get severance if you're fired for cause? I mean, sure, if you've been fired for cause, but uh, the employer does not have just cause for dismissal, either because you did not do what you were accused of, and I, I see a fair bit of that, or you did do what you were accused of, but what you were accused of just does not rise to the extreme level of just cause, which I see of even more often, then you are going to be entitled to severance. So it's not like your employer says the magic words, just cause, and all of a sudden your, your termination entitlements disappear. Not at all. Uh, you are still going to be entitled to severance. And in fact, there are even some cases where if you've done something really, really bad, but you didn't do it on purpose and it wasn't premeditated, there, there are those kind of fringe cases where you may not be entitled to your full severance, but you're actually entitled to your minimum severance. So that's why you should always, always, always contact an employment lawyer, because of course, you're not going to know where you fall along that spectrum. You don't have to know, right? An employment lawyer is going to be able to guide you through that. So you're saying, depending on whether you get some or not, it may not be full severance. You may get a portion of, or is there a chance, depending on the case, you could get full pop as outlined by, say, the severance pay calculator? Right. Now, th those are the fringe cases. I mean, right. typically, uh, termination is either going to be for cause or not for cause, the, the vast, vast, vast majority of them not being not for cause. But there are cases every so often. I mean, they're, they're uh, somewhat rare, but they're not completely unheard of, where uh, the person has done something that um, arguably uh, justified termination, but not losing 
the minimum entitlement um, under the act. And there's some and uh, there's some pretty surprising situations where you would think, oh, this person for sure is not going to be entitled to anything. And still the law decides that they are uh, and the courts decide they're entitled to that minimum benefit. Coming up here in the second half of the show, John Pincus, what should I do? Some of the common questions you get and we'll answer them. Those have been pulled together for the remainder of the show. But now's the time you want to make that phone call live here and talk to us at uh, 644 on your Thursday evening, 416-870-6400. We'll continue the Employment Law Show. Welcome back to the Employment Law Show. Oh, here we go. Somebody get a phone party, drop some E. We're back at it here at the Employment Law Show on a Thursday evening. Wow. 416-870-6400. Just trying to wake you up a little bit. John Pinkus, what do I do? We'll get to some of those common questions that John gets every day on the phone. But first, we go to the phones like we like to most of all. Jeff, thank you for taking the time tonight. How are you, pal? Hi there. I'm fine. Great. What's on your mind? So I just had a quick question. I was recently disciplined. I, I don't agree with it at all. I think that they were excessive and they didn't assess my character correctly. But I was wondering if public sector and private sector, the laws apply differently to protect the employee. Um, no, uh, they, they don't. That's the short answer. Uh, there are some differences uh, in the unionized versus non-unionized sectors, because in the unionized sectors, they may have to follow certain procedures set out in a collective agreement. And of course, there's a totally different remedy and entitlement if you're unionized. But if you're not unionized, your rights are actually exactly the same, whether you're federally regulated, provincially regulated, uh, public, private sector. I, I've represented uh, many public sector employees, and it's the same analysis. Right. So I'm, we're just going to. <laughs> yeah, you can hear the daughter in the background. We're just going through the grieving process, and I just I, I can't see them not favoring me after the grieving process. It was just totally unheard of and uncalled for with their excessive discipline. So I was just just curious on the if there was a difference between public and private um, grievances. So it's it sounds like you're unionized in in, in, in yeah. that case. You're going through a grievance, right? Well, again, that that really does come down to the collective agreement, and hopefully, you've got a um, a good union steward in your corner um, who's guiding you through it, and uh, that's definitely the person uh, who'll be able to give you the most specific guidance to your situation. Yeah, well, and a doctor's note, and I can't believe they sort of ignored that possible that mm. part of the equation. Yep, that certainly can be relevant. Absolutely. <laughs> Anyways, that that was my question. I thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, appreciate it, pal. Safe driving uh, to wherever you're heading to. Sounds like a Jays game. Uh, 416-870-6400. <laughs> Scott, you are up next, pal. How are you? Hi, great. How are you? Still fogging up a mirror. It's good times. What's uh, what's on your mind, brother? Well, uh, I, I listen to your show all the time. Excellent. And, <laughs> uh, but as far as part-time work goes, Mm-hmm. I worked at a, I'm on disability and but I, I don't get any feeling about, uh, uh, how shall I say this? Do I have any rights? I mean, I started working there and. Okay. So you're on a disability last, leave? My last, shift, my last shift, they said, okay, this is it. Your probation period's over. You're gone. Bye. No, oh, no so, rhyme or reason. Okay, are you on a on a disability leave, Scott? Yeah, I'm on uh, CPP 
PD. Oh, okay, I see. But that that was after you were let go. No, no, before that, they hired me knowing that. I see. So you were part time with, and that was kind of like an accommodated schedule because of your um, right your disability. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I see. I see. Time didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> right. Well, here's. I mean, there's a couple things to think about to consider here, Scott. I mean, the first thing is that. An employer is allowed to let you go for almost any reason. I say almost because they can't let you go if it has to do with your disability. If it has to do with your disability and they let you go that in any way connects to that, that's a human rights issue. That's a human rights violation. And that that's something that can be taken up with the tribunal. Right. Um, if it's not, though, if it's just, look, we didn't, you know, we didn't like your work, we didn't think you were fit, we didn't think you just didn't really get along with us, and you can't prove that it was related to your disability, then the only question is, do they owe you severance? And if you were in your probationary period and you were working part-time, there could be some severance owed, depending on whether you sign something dealing with severance, um, but it's not likely to be very much. Uh, in the circumstances. So there's probably right. not a whole lot you can do there unless there's something that you can use as evidence or proof that they discriminated against you. Okay, so it's, it's probably not worth fighting for. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, unless, unless you know, you, you, there's some smoking gun of, of uh, disability discrimination. Uh, I mean, you can always give us a call. We're always happy to chat and we can let you know. And it, the answer we, we give may be, you know what, it's not worth it. There's not enough money here to justify it. Uh, so feel free to give us a call, but it, it may not be. Scotty, appreciate it. Here's that number if uh, if you see fit to do so, one 821 5900 But you still got some minutes to uh, call us here on air, get some answers like that, 416-870-6400. And turning over to this, uh, John Pickett's, what do I do? Here's the first question you get all the time. I've been plus, uh, placed on a temporary layoff with no set return date. What are my rights? Someone could have asked this question two years ago at the pandemic and still still ask this question today and be fresh. Right, right. Well, uh, you know, this is an issue that uh, certainly isn't as prevalent as it as it was in 2020 and 2021. But this is always an issue, right? And people uh, layoffs will not end uh, with COVID. I I certainly hope COVID ends before layoffs do, um, because layoffs are always going to be a thing. Um, And if you are placed on a temporary layoff, the first thing that you have to think about is, have you signed an agreement agreeing to a temporary layoff? Mm -hmm. And if you're not sure about that, then get whatever agreements you have together, send them to us, and we'll tell you if you've consented to it, because you may not know. And that, again, is why you should speak to an employment lawyer before you sign those things. Once you've determined that you haven't agreed to it, you haven't signed anything talking about temporary layoffs, or you've never signed an employment agreement, in which case you, you know you probably haven't agreed to it, then you have to make a choice. Are you going to accept it, in which case now temporary layoffs are just part of your employment and they can do it again right. and again? Or are you going to say, no, I'm not going to accept it. I'm going to pursue uh, a severance uh, package. Uh, and uh, if you're going to do that, uh, you want to speak with an employment lawyer as soon as possible um, and, uh, and and make sure that you uh, you get in before uh, there's a limitation date uh, or before you know your employer tries to argue that you've accepted it. Next one is, uh, John, my boss is giving half of my hours to a new, younger employee. Can they do that? Well, um, the uh, the issue here first becomes, are they engaging in uh, ageism, right? Are they doing this because um, a, a younger employee 
um, uh, they you know see they they see that person as having more longevity with the company. The other issue is uh, potential constructive dismissal, right? I mean, if you haven't had your hours fluctuate in the past, and all of a sudden half your hours are gone, well, that's I mean that's potentially half your compensation uh, yeah. if you're paid by the hour. Uh, and that is clearly going to be constructive dismissal in that case. So uh, can they do that? Probably not. And this is probably something you want to speak to an employment lawyer about. The only situation they can do that is if this is something that's just part of your job. You know, one, one day you have 40 hours, the next day you have 20 hours, and that's just something that happens. Yeah, yeah. Give me another question here that you get all the time. John, I'm ready to return to work from a leave, but my boss said I have no job to return to. He's offered to help me get EI. Should I accept his offer? No, um, you should not accept his offer uh, because you're going to be owed severance. What you want to do in these situations is ask your, your employer to confirm whether or not you still have a job. And by the way, in case it needs to be said, do this in writing, right? Do it in writing, email, love email, email's great text message, whatever, whatever. I'll take a text message if that's all I can get, right? But do it in writing. Um, ask for your record of employment to be issued. They're obligated to do that by law and ask for confirmation of your severance package. Because if you say you'll accept the help and your employer then issues a record of employment, um, well, uh, they may issue that record of employment um, to say that uh, you've quit, right? Or wow. they may issue a record of employment to say that um, you know the, your employment was frustrated or something like that. So you want to have it very clear in writing that you're not leaving your job, you're not abandoning your job, uh, and that you want to come back, put it on the company. Let's get Carlo's email in here. He says, uh, no, pardon me, John says, my employer is asking me to work uh, a night shift. I've worked day shift for 15 years. Is this a constructive dismissal? Well, uh, typically, yes. If you've worked yeah. a day shift for 15 years and all of a sudden you're working a night shift, especially because night shifts for many people are considered um, less desirable than day shifts, that very well could be a constructive dismissal entitling you to severance. First thing you do, as we always say, not to sound like a broken record, but speak to an employment lawyer, right? Get yeah. some guidance because it's not just enough to leave. You want to leave in the right way. I'm going to give you a minute to answer this one, buddy, quick. Brian says, I've been asked to sign a bonus document that says I need to be actively employed to receive said bonus. Do I need to worry about signing it? Yes, Brian. Yes, you need to be worried. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, what you need to do is you need to have that reviewed by an employment lawyer uh, because you may actually be giving up your right to a bonus in the event that uh, your employment's terminated by you or by the company. So be very, very careful, Brian. Don't sign it before speaking with an employment lawyer. He is John Pickus doing a phenomenal job on a Thursday evening. We are just about ready to wrap this sucker up for another day. We're going to be back in here Saturday morning, so make sure you join us for that. By the way, this time tomorrow night, Disability Law Show with Savannah Tamarkin will be on air from 6.30 to 7. But leaving you now with a number to call John and his crew, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And for free and anonymous questions anytime you would like, that would be pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Thanks so much for the calls and tune in and email. We'll catch you next time in the Employment Law Show.